Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. We are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast, November 23rd edition. I am your host, James Lynch. And if you haven't watched the show before, uh, basically what it is is we talk to people who are in the mixed martial arts industry and kind of tell their stories and everything else. And uh, being that this show is on Fightful.com, it's only natural I get the man himself, Showdown Joe, here on the program. Joe, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, James. What's going on, brother? I'm doing very well. Now, for those who uh, aren't familiar with you, unless I'm assuming they're living under a rock, if that's the case, uh, let me just see if I got the resume here. Uh, Fightful.com host and contributor, founder of My Team Video, play-by-play for Titan FC, dad, and also a mortgage agent. Uh, did, I, did I nail that or what? That's pretty much the basics right there. Yeah, I juggle a, a variety of hats, and uh, I'm one of those guys, and, and you've known me long enough. I don't have the ability to sit still. I, I can't just sit there. People are like, what's your favorite TV show? I don't have time to watch TV, man. You're doing mortgage deals for people. Uh, you're dealing with people's finances. And I've got my team video that I'm building, uh, which has been an interesting ride thus far. It's, it's, my, it's my baby, per se. And then, of course, mixed martial arts and everything UFC and Fightful and Titan related. And, and just got some other play-by-play gigs that uh, may be happening soon. So it's, it's, I'm always juggling things. Uh, I'm also... I coach my son's soccer team, which is a rep thing. Uh, I, I don't have the ability to, to sit still, to do nothing. Uh, I, I've got to be doing something. I can't just sit on the couch and watch TV. It's just not in me. Yeah, uh, for sure. Obviously juggling a lot of hats and that's, uh, you know, why you're able to do all the things you do because of that hustle. And, uh, I always start the show off with how I've met my guest and you know, I've met several times, but I don't know if you remember the first time we met. Uh, we're, we're going to go back to 2011. This is the first time we met in person. Uh, Bellator 47. Do you remember this? Uh, main event was Pat Curran, Ronnie Mann, Casino Rama. Does this ring a bell at all? You and I were in the media section. I was at Fight Network at the time. You were obviously uh, doing amazing things with Sportsnet. Um, do you remember this, uh, that card specifically? Oh, I remember the card. Yeah, I remember meeting the first time. Yeah, I mean, is it foggy? Yeah, of course. I mean, yes. but one of the things. That's a long time ago. Yeah, well, one of the things though that that I've experienced in my career because what I've been I've been involved in in the, the game. I think I'm I'm, gonna, I'm kissing twenty years now. I mean, yeah. that's that's my age uh, out there. But 
the, the one thing I get all the time, James, is is people will still come up to me to this day and be like, remember that one time? And I'm like, yeah, remember, yeah. And I'm like, I know the face. I yeah. don't even like – I'm the worst with names because when, when you're on television for as long as I was and you've met so many people – it's impossible to remember all the names and scenarios and stuff like that, but I do the very best I can. And eventually something clicks in, hopefully while I'm talking to the person within the first 10 to 15 seconds, nothing worse than like 24 hours later, you're like, Oh, I better send them an email or a text to say, Hey, how you do? I remember this. And it's like, ah, you just embarrass yourself, Joe. Yeah, no, you got to You got to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Otherwise you're going to crush their dreams. You know, they had that great story. And then if you don't remember, it's, it's going to, it's going to disappoint them. But I, one thing, I don't know if you'll remember about that card, but we were in the media section and for some reason they let some fans in the media section as well. And people were booing. Do you remember this? Uh, the guy to our left wearing a blue and white checkered shirt who was booing the fighters, <laughs> yes. ripping them apart nonstop. And I think I leaned over to some of the peeps in the media. I said, you mark my words. If the fighters are available, this guy's going to want to take selfies yeah. and pictures. <laughs> At the end of the show, he was there taking selfies and pictures, telling them how much he loved them. Yeah. Oh man. It was, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was the first ever card in, uh, in Canada for Bellator at Casino Rama. And sometimes these tickets are just comp, like they'll just give them out uh, just because they need to fill up those seats. So it was certainly an interesting experience, but, uh, let's go all the way back to you. Um, as far as, you know, when you first got into the industry, um, you know, I remember you doing commentary for, I want to say, was it either TKO or UCC back in the day? Cause you, you had done commentary very early on, even before you had the show on Sportsnet. Yeah, it was, uh, it all started in 2000, uh, with UCC before they became TKO. Um, I, I remember going out there. This is when I had Showdown Fightwear and Showdown Boxing, where the whole Showdown Joe nickname came from. And we sponsored the event, the very first UCC event. I think it was in June of 2000, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the event went without a hitch. It was pretty good. Uh, and then at the after party, obviously it's like an industry party. I, I got to know the, the two promoters that were working the event. And just in conversations with them, they're kind of looking at me and they're like, man, you really know a lot about fighting and, and, and just in general. Have you ever thought about doing play-by-play or, or color commentary? I was like, not not really. But they're like, why don't you come in for an audition? And, and okay. So I went in there for an audition and instantaneously I was hired. And then by then shortly thereafter, uh, I started doing all the commentary uh, with um, James McCarthy, JT McCarthy. Yeah, exactly. JT McCarthy. Yeah. He used yeah, to work at the Play Network. Yeah, he's a radio host now at, uh, at Z1035 in Toronto, a huge um, hit station for those that are not in the GTA region, the Greater Toronto region. But that's where it all took off, and that's where I began networking. And then from there, uh, you know, the career started to take off. Yeah, and, and of course, you got the show on Sportsnet, which uh, was – was it MMA Connected? Then it became UFC Central, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it started off as, was MMA Connected? That is the funniest thing that people ask me, and I'll tell you why. It started off with as MMA Connected. Yeah. Then the UFC got involved, Zufa got involved. Uh, I don't know if it was Lorenzo or Dana or, or Ike or someone got involved uh, and said, look, we want you to change the name if possible to UFC Connected. So, mm-hmm. okay, no problem. Uh, we changed it to UFC Connected. Obviously, who doesn't want those three letters attached to your TV show? Um, and then that was, so MMA Connected, I'm going to say, let, let's just say it was about, it was called MMA Connected for about eight months. It turned to UFC Connected for approximately three months. Then Sportsnet rebranded all of their properties to UFC Central, Hockey Central, um, Soccer Central, uh, Baseball Central, or Blue Jay Central. So everything became something central. And that was the longest tenure that we've had for the name of the show. To this day, the vast majority of people say, loved you on UFC Connected. Yeah, and it was the shortest period of time uh, where the show was named that from MMA Connected, UFC Connected, UFC Central. So it it was actually called UFC Central, uh, but yeah, it's just weird how people remember UFC Connected more than anything. 
Yeah, that brand name was definitely huge. And and I we'll, we'll talk more about the show because I know uh, that show almost went worldwide. And and for those who also don't know, this show was the first of its kind as far as, uh, you know, weekly uh, UFC programming, like a weekly UFC like recap show well before UFC Tonight. Like this was sort of uh, the first of its kind. Um, but, but heading, you know, before you got that, before you were like full time at Sportsnet, what were you doing like leading up to that? How were you sort of, you know, because you were dabbling in the commentary stuff, but what was sort of paying the bills before you got uh, the gig at Sportsnet? Before I went full-time, so I had a dream of always going full-time uh, in, in terms of doing mixed martial arts coverage, content, commentary, hosting, uh, analysts, and stuff like that. I actually worked for, this, for the company that owned Sportsnet, which was Rogers Communications. Uh, I'd worked there for quite some time, started off uh, in my early 20s as just a call center uh, rep, uh, graduated or, or sort of moved on to the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff and became an analyst. Uh, and I would take over basically uh, you know, some of the projects and whatnot. I was a cable analyst, wireless analyst, uh, internet analyst. Uh, um, what else was there? Uh, just before the security came in, home security. So I was basically an analyst from the cable, wireless, uh, and internet perspective. So from project management to, to heading different projects when, when Rogers would buy an area uh, and they would take over the cable in that area, transitioning from the old cable provider to, to Rogers. So I was doing that while I was building uh, the whole mixed martial arts career. There were times I would work my nine to five shift, uh, race to the airport to try and make a 6.30 flight to Montreal, fly to Montreal, uh, do some, some voiceover or, or commentary work. Uh, and you know we do that overnight till about 3 a.m. Drive to the airport, get a 6 a.m. flight, land in Toronto by 8 8:30, and drive right to, to to Rogers. Shower, brush my teeth, get back on the phones, or get back to doing my job. So people think it's an overnight success, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of time spent, a lot of work spent, uh, a lot of time away from my fiance at the time, now my wife. Uh, so it was a lot of work back then. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I really wanted to get out there. Cause like a lot of people think like, Oh, you get this job. It was, you know, you just got it right away. Like there is that struggle. You have to go through that, uh, especially, you know, now even as well, because the jobs just aren't readily available. Now take me to that moment where, you know, Rogers comes to you. They say, we're going to do this show. Or I know you actually pitched them, if I'm not mistaken, take me to that moment where they tell you, we're going to do a weekly show. This is all going to happen. You know, how did this sort of all come together? So uh, I had a friend of mine who was very well connected uh, on the sales side for Rogers, and he did some work for the radio station, the Fan 590. Um, and he said, look, man, tune in right now. And and people were calling in. Not, that was a huge – that was my favorite station. I mean, forget about hit radio. Uh, I was listening to the sports radio all the time. And – People were calling in saying, we want UFC coverage. We want you to talk about UFC, UFC, UFC. And then my buddy, friend of mine, basically said, look, man, they're talking about this right now. I know the programming director. Why don't we go talk to him? Within two or three weeks, they gave me a chance to go on air. I started uh, with, um, for people that, that know the, uh, the sports talk radio in the Toronto region, uh, Storm and Norman Rumack. So we started a show with him. And three weeks into it, Doug Fairway at the time says, Joe, you're good enough to go on your own. All right, so went on my own um, with the, the, I think it was actually called The Showdown. Mm-hmm. Um, four months later, I got a call from David Acondi from Sports that said, look, we're looking for an MMA analyst uh, to come on uh, to the television side. Why don't you come in for an audition? Went in for an audition. It was me and Ivanka Osmak. I got off the stage. Uh, Mike English was there. Bobby T was there. And they're like, dude, you're pretty much hired, but we'll let you know on Monday. Um Sunday, I got a call saying, yeah, why don't you come in, uh, do a couple of spots. And we started doing these spots of, of literally 30 seconds to a minute 30, just recapping the weekend in MMA. So we started doing those, and then they put them online. And the numbers were going crazy online where it was rivaling <clears throat> all the other sports, not the Leafs or hockey, but it was rivaling the numbers that the other sports were getting online. Um, and then they said, you know what, we want you to go cover UFC 79, which was George St. Pierre uh, and Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell and, and uh, Vanderlei Silva. Go down to UFC 79, and I was there with uh, uh, Bobby T, who you know very well. Yep. 
Bob, Bob Torrance, just an unbelievable guy. And it was our first time in Vegas. And we're like, well, we got to cover the UFC. We've got to hit the press conference. We've got to try and get interviews for Sportsnet. We've got to get our information into the 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock news. Uh, but we're in Vegas. Now we have some downtime. And one of the stupidest things you can ever do when you go to Vegas because you're ignorant, you don't know any better, is you start off at one end of the strip and you think you can walk to the end of the strip. That, you you <laughs> yes. can't do it. The other problem with that scenario is when you're there with a friend like Bobby T, who's now a really close friend of mine, you try and get a drink at every single casino <laughs> that you yes. stop at. Yeah. So, but if anyone's ever been on the strip, we started at Mandalay Bay. Uh, we went over to that wasn't New York, New York. I think it was um, not Luxor, uh, but one of the other ones. And then we started crossing MGM. But by the time we got to Caesars, which I don't even think is halfway down the strip, uh, it's safe to say neither one of us should have been walking. Uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting, but. We sat there in the lobby bar or the sports bar uh, at Caesars at the time, and I said, look, man, he was complimenting me like crazy. Like, man, he's like, Showdown, you really, really know your stuff, and there's got to be more that we can do. And I said, well, and then at the time, I had a BlackBerry, right? Now I got an iPhone, but yeah. I slid it over. I said, look, man, here's an idea that I have. Uh, it's basically a television show that, which recaps UFC events, previews UFC events, uh, and does features on the fighters. I think it's very important that every fighter uh, has their story told because we already know their fighters, but why not get some background on them? What were they doing before they were fighting? How did they get into it? And blah, blah. And he's, he was like, dude, this is an amazing idea. When we get back to Sportsnet, we got to talk to this person, that person, this person, and that person. So we, we got back and we started talking. Each, you know, I would I would handle the sales side or whatever, and he would blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, within a month, they're contacting me saying, hey, are you interested in doing a TV show? Nice. I said, absolutely. Yeah. I was the TV show. We did it, pitched it. And before you know it, um, you know, I got called into David Conde's office, who was the president, and he just slid me a contract saying, here you go. We want you to do this full time. And the TV show goes on the air uh, three months from the day that you sign the contract. You better, or no, 30 days from the day you sign the contract. So you better get rolling with your voice. All right, let's do it. Wow. That's awesome. Um, do you remember the first guest you had on the show uh, as far as like a fighter? First guest would have been uh, probably George St. Pierre. If I'm mistaken, oh, wow. it was either George St. <laughs> nice Pierre. things off, you know. Oh, yeah, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it big because I think it was UFC 83 when the show – Yeah, UFC 83 was in Montreal. And that was the Saturday. So the Monday is when we went live for the very first time. So you know, I, I talked to George. I was in a big fight trying to win that title back from Matt Serra. And I said, dude, I said, uh, I got a TV show on sports. And he's like, what? I said, yeah. I said, 30-minute show, blah, blah. I said, I could really use you as a guest uh, to come on there. And if I'm not mistaken, that was a show that he actually debuted on as well. Uh, so we did a quick sit-down interview. I think it was maybe 10, 15 minutes. His manager's like, I know the best place to do it. We can do this. We can do that. And boom, took off from there. Awesome. What was your day to day like? Would you just like, like, how would your, your week sort of go? Cause you have this show, like people don't know, they, they, you know, they see a show, it's, you know, whatever, a half hour, hour, whatever. And, and people think that, oh, you just put it together, but it's like a, it's a process leading up. Like what was sort of the day to day when you were working there as far as getting that show to air? Uh, in, in essence, so it's, it's hard to say because. There were some changes along the way that I had suggested to, suggested to make things way easier, and it got way easier because what ended up happening is we used to go to UFC events and then re take a um, a red eye flight the Sunday to make it back to Sportsnet to then put together the show, do oh, the voiceovers, man. and race to get everything done. And I said to myself, "This is not going to work. This is not. This is too much. Too much for the producer. Too much for the associate producers. Too much for the editing. Too much for graphics." I said, "Look." We're in Vegas. We're in Atlanta. We're in Chicago. We're in wherever. Why don't we just do the show from there? 
let's let's just record that. The cameraman is already with us. Let's record the show from there. So what we would do is basically after the UFC event was done, we would have the scripts already written. Uh, we would find different locations in Vegas to show that we're in Vegas, and boom, UFC Central uh, from Vegas. And then we would package the show the next day on the Sunday. We would record it early Sunday, get it over to Sportsnet. They would package it. Monday would go out there, and it'd be live. But in general, if we weren't on the road, uh, the, the basics, if I, if I remember correctly, was we would have Wednesday and Thursday off, and then Friday we would commence putting together the, the the producer at the time, Jacob Clark, would put together the lineup for the show, send it over to me. I'm like, yep, yep. Or if I would if I would see any changes or suggestions, we would we would discuss it then. And then from there, whatever the different features or, or, or packages in the show would be, I would draft up my uh, my voiceovers and my scripts or whatever the features would be. I send it over to him. He would vet it. He'd like it. I would voice it. Uh, send in the voice to the guys uh, to Jimmy Cotton and, and the boys uh, Joe Serenka. They would then edit it, put it all together, and then I would go one day, was it Monday? Yeah, Mondays, I would go in there around 4.30, we would record the show live to tape, uh, make sure everything is perfect, and then boom, it'd go on the air around 8, 9 o'clock. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that show, um, you know, that I, again, I don't think people realize, so it's interesting to hear the process there. Now, as this is all going on, did you have any mentors, like anyone you were sort of, you know, pitching advice to? Because, again, there weren't any sort of MMA figureheads at the time, but I imagine there were people in broadcasting that maybe you were, you know, bouncing some ideas, ideas off of or, you know, getting some feedback. There weren't, per se, anyone that I would, that, that I would like, talk to as a mentor, I've always had this ability in pretty much everything that I've ever done, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's um, the mortgage game or being an entrepreneur, uh, or even when I was over at Rogers as an analyst, I never really went to any formal education. I just learned through the school of hard knocks. I just basically looked at, this is what I like. Can I emulate that? What can I take from that and make it better or make it my own? And I would look at people like Don Cherry, uh, obviously a huge hockey person here in, in, in the country of Canada, uh, I guess in North America as well. Uh, Howard Cosell was someone that I kind of looked at and said, you know what, play-by-play wise and just, uh, I know they spoke differently back in the day, uh, but Howard Cosell was one of them, Don Cherry, and Ron McLean was 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 huge. Uh, meeting Ron McLean was just crazy when I met him, but those are the three people that I said, you know what, I can do some of this here. And people are always accusing me of being too politically correct or too much of a nice guy james we're canadians and that's not yes, going to change I, I get that too don't worry about it <laughs> don't get me wrong like I'm, i mean can, can i be considered a jerk or, or an a-hole yeah probably we all have our bad days but i, I like keeping things uh, as clean as possible politically correct because my son one day is going to want to watch everything i've ever done so those are the three that i kind of emulated and people start calling me the don cherry of mma or the don cherry of ufc um so i just kind of looked at that and said you know he's only got three minutes four minutes to get his information out there so you better be good with it and i always thought to myself anytime uh, i had to do anything for sports night or, or for any you know quick radio interviews you've only got a small period of time to really get your your information out there so i looked at that and i looked at ron mcclain james and i said to myself man this guy under any circumstances anything at all is just money he's just gold he's just fantastic i said i've got to i've got to try and be like that that that's what you have to be if you're going to be hosting a show or you're going to be an analyst you're going to talk to guests you got to be the best that you can be you got to get your research done uh and just know your facts as much as possible And i've taken that with me uh, ever since and just so people, again, understand, this was the only show that was going on at this point worldwide. I mean, before the MMA hour, before Ariel Hawani, all this stuff, this was the show. If you lived in Canada especially, it was a huge deal to watch this every week. I know people still talk about the show till this day. When was that moment for you where the celebrity thing sort of came into play, where you know people are starting to recognize you, they're saying, hey, showdown. Like, when did that start to happen? Because, again, this was a huge show, and it was happening every week. Um, 
it was, it was the first show. We were the first one ever to come up with some sort of magazine show. And I remember at the time, uh, the, the, it was the VP of programming, Errol Hines came to me and he said, what about changing some things in the show where we put some green screens, um, on some of the monitors? I said, well, what, what for? He's like, well, we're talking to the UFC and with the amount of, of different countries that they have television deals with we may put your show in all these different countries and with the green screen they can get their own sponsors we can make it generic or we can make a green screen so there was the chance that the show was going to go global it was going to be syndicated uh right around the world and i was ecstatic and i was like i better renegotiate my contract here like this is going to be huge um and like anything and everything and any industry, there's always going to be people, James, that are going to, you know, they're going to block it. They're going to kibosh it. And whether it was from the UFC or people within sports that are just people that had, you know, I, I guess you could say agendas, it got blocked. It got stopped. And then the UFC went to Fox. Uh, and then there was conversations about putting the show some way, somehow on the Fox broadcasts. Uh, and again, something happened. People got involved. The next thing you know, um, we got word that, look, the UFC is coming out with their own show. It's going to be, it's going to be called, uh, I think, UFC Tonight. We're not going to be able to put your show on there. So we started thinking of other things to do and what to do, what not to do, and was going to get done. And again, it got blocked. And then handcuffs were put on us, and then they geo-blocked us. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We went from about to be global worldwide to just Canada only. Now none of, no one can see the show. So that was very disappointing, and it kind of sort of derailed a lot of things over at Sportsnet, uh, upset a lot of people. I was just like, you know, there's only so much I can do. You know, I can just sit there and, and host the stuff. But uh, before anyone, before anything, yeah, UFC Central was about to go really, really big. Fortunately, it didn't. Uh, and then other people started popping up, and I noticed, um, I mean, you can go today. Uh, any Canadian that's been in the game for for a long time or fans can look at almost every single popular show out there and, and be like, they used to do that in UFC Central or they used to yeah. do that in UFC Central. So uh, it, it's kind of weird and, you know, it's kind of cool. So as this is all happening, I mean, your, your show is going great. I mean, it's happening every week and everything like that. In, in the midst of all this, Sportsnet, uh, they get the NHL rights. When that happened, what's going through your head at that point? Are you thinking, you know, things are going to start to change? What was sort of, you know, what were you being told at the time when that happened? When they got the NHL deal, um, obviously everyone at Sportsnet was um, was celebrating because obviously getting the NHL deal, because uh, hockey is king in Canada. So yeah. you're officially going to become the number one sports station. That That's just no ifs, ands, or buts. Once you have that NHL deal, you're going to be the number one sports station. So we knew that. We knew that was going to happen. And I said to myself, I talked to my guys uh, on the team, and I said, you know, be careful with the celebrating because what's going to happen here is the UFC deal comes to an end um, with Sportsnet the, the the same time the NHL deal officially starts in that October. So that was 2014. And they're like, oh, no, they're never going to get rid of the deal. I said, listen, don't say they're never going to get rid of the UFC deal. I said, it's not Sportsnet that's solely negotiating here. It's also the UFC side that is going to negotiate their end. Um, so I knew there was potentially the writing on the wall. Uh, and I know uh, how negotiations went. And then I saw the official writing on the wall. I was waiting for the call to come into uh, to the VP's office. At the time, it was uh, Rob Corte, uh, and I just waited. I said, if he calls me into that office, it's one of two things. They're offering me an extension, which will match the term that the UFC signed on with Sportsnet, or he's going to let me know that my 90-day clause kicks in, and the show is going off the air. My tenure at Sportsnet is going to come to an end. Um, based on the negotiations, uh, the pretty bad negotiations they had uh, with the UFC, I got my 90 days notice and they said, you're more than happy to do whatever you like. Uh, if you want to stop working as of this moment, we will pay you uh, your full salary for the next uh, three months. 
But come January 1st, 2015, we're not going to have uh, the rights to the UFC anymore. We're not going to be able to show that footage. Right now, we have no use for you. And I was like, all right, well, so people automatically thought I was going to quickly migrate to TSN. I couldn't tell you how many people used to text me and email me. I can't wait to see you on, on TSN. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way, man. Yeah. doesn't work that way. Mark my words. No, come on. You're synonymous with the UFC in Canada. I said, you mark my words. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'll contact them, but we'll see what happens. And as you know, James, uh, it is November 23rd, 2017. There hasn't been any UFC Central on the air since uh, October 2014. So, Yeah, and, and it's it's actually been very disappointing. I will say this. Uh, you know, the way that TSN's done their coverage, I mean, it's a lot better now than it used to be. And, and you know, credit to Aaron Braun, said, I know you know, he's uh, done a great job with the coverage over there. They've really sort of amped it up. But if you remember that first year, it was a struggle to – I mean, they, they would broadcast the UFC, but, I mean, in terms of highlights – They'd, have, they'd air a card on their network, and they'd have 20 seconds of highlights in SportsCenter. I, I never got that. I, I couldn't believe it. And, and you know, so, mentality. Um, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, there's a, different, there's a completely different um, mentality at the two networks in terms of the actual UFC product. Uh, SportsNet really understood that, you know, understand that television stations are a business. They're there to make money. Uh, they're there to, to get high ratings. High ratings mean sponsors. You can charge more for the sponsorship and the time. Uh, and then the, the, the station makes more money. Sportsnet uh, and the conversations that, you know, back in the day when we discussed how are we going to do this, who are we going to bring on as sponsors? I mean, come on, Universal Studios, Ford, Chevrolet, Taco Bell, Submarine. I mean, we had blue chip sponsors on the show every quarter. So there was the opportunity not just to pay my salary, uh, but three other people's salary. Right. Yeah. And for the station to make boatloads of money, not boatloads, but enough money to say this is profitable. This is very profitable. So when I approached when I approached TSN and I said, this can be done. I mean, it's not like it can't be done. There is an appetite for it. It can be done. It just it, it, it fell on deaf ears to my understanding. I don't know who's still there, James. I don't know who's, who's still there. I know some of the players that I did contact are still there, but there was just no appetite. There was there was more or less what I felt was like. Not a disdain for the UFC product, but like, ah, we got it for nothing. We'll just air the fights and whatever. If it's on, it's on. If it's not, it's not. That's the sense that I got. And, and it kind of broke my heart because I put so, I dedicated my whole adult life uh, to putting the UFC on mainstream television. And then you're all, you're, you're left in the dark, right? So, yeah. Well, and, and I think part of that, too, is just sort of an old school mentality over at TSN. I think that, you know, there, there's kind of still that boys club over there as far as the, the higher ups go. And, you know, there's still people who still see uh, MMA, unfortunately, as sort of barbaric. I mean, now the coverage is a lot better. But I think initially when they first got it, that's exactly what you said there is just, you know, we'll air the highlights. We'll sort of see what happens. But anyways, I didn't stop you, though, because you're still involved in this industry. You're still doing lots of great things. First, uh, the Titan FC gig. How did that come together with you doing, uh, you know, I believe first it was just interviews. And now you're actually doing the play by play. Take me through that process of how that all ended up happening. So Eric Talent at the time was the uh, executive producer um, for Titan, uh, and he had called me up. He brought me on. Uh, we have a mutual friend in, in Rick J. Lee uh, who said, we got to bring Joe on. I mean, we, we need a sideline reporter at the MMA events or at Titan events, uh, a guy that can go backstage, a guy that can get the interviews uh, while we're live in the air that understands broadcasting. So um, they, they brought me on as a sideline reporter, uh, roaming reporter, if you want to call that. And, and, and it was actually a role. I look back at it now. I didn't really know how to do it properly. I know now, but I was kind of like, I didn't, I didn't understand what the actual job was. I was just there. I was doing it. And I, and I look back, I'm like, damn it. I could have did so much better, but it is what it is. And, and then shortly thereafter in, in the conversations as we went on, they said, listen, man, we want you to be our play-by-play -play guy. I said, oh, hell no. 
Oh, <laughs> hell no, I'm not. Play-by-play is hard. It is not in me. I don't have the voice for it. And they're like, shut up. And I'm like, I can't. I just, it's not in me. I said, I can be an analyst. I can be a color guy, but I know fighters uh, are going to be the color guy. I said, I can't do play-by-play. It's just too hard for me. And they kept pressuring me, not pressuring me. They kept saying, dude, you can do it. You can do it. We know you can do it. We know you can do it. And then I said, well, you know, I, I kind of, there's only so much, so much you can do to brush them off. And then finally they're like, dude, you got to do it. Like we need you. Like this. Like we want your voice. We want you to be the voice uh, and the face of all the broadcasts. I said, okay, well, let's let's give it a shot. And you know, I said it's it's not good because once we go live, it's going to be six hours of torture for me. So I don't know. And then we did the first show, and I felt, I think that by far, James, hands down, yeah, hands down, was the most stressful day or, or day before and hours leading up to of my life i was i wasn't like i mean i was less stressed for when my son was born i was less stressed on the day of my wedding that was the the because i don't know if it's a re- i don't care about being rejected if people don't like me they don't like me there's nothing i can do about that but i was just i didn't know what was like what to expect and what to do and i, I tried so hard to prepare myself and then the show went off without a hitch and didn't really make any mistakes and the show was done and i felt this release of Dude, you did it. It wasn't that bad. You did it. And next thing you know, was I looked online and people were complimenting me and being kind. And now you got the odd Yahoo that's going to say whatever they're going to say. That's always going to happen no matter what. Uh, and then lo and behold, let's do the second show. And then the second show came. And then next thing you know, I come on, on, on the flight home. I land from at, at Pearson in Toronto and there's a message um, from Ryzen MMA. Uh, Horizon, and they're like, hey, man, we're looking for an English guy to do the commentary for over in Japan MMA. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Let's figure this out. So ended up getting the Ryzen gig. So uh, and now I'm getting these different gigs that are coming my way. And, you know, let, let's be honest, some some people can afford to pay. Some people can't afford to pay. So it's just a matter of juggling. And, you know, it's it, it's one of those things now, James, where I'm like, I don't know what to do, because the amount of money you get paid to do play by play is nice, but you're traveling. You got to yeah. travel and that's time away from your son and everything else. You know, it's, it's a lot of, that's yeah, the hard part, lot. man. And it's, yeah. it's, it's now I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to be doing, uh, let's say I got to do, you know, play by play for three or four different events. That that's a lot of travel time, man. And, and, and I'm taking it away from my son and I don't want to ever take away time from my son, but bills to pay, right? Got, yeah. uh, it's, if it's a form of income, you, you got to look at it. So I'll have the conversation with my wife, uh, this weekend, but, uh, there, there's some offers on the table right now. Ooh, nice. Whether I accept or not, uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, yeah, well, we'll figure it out. Good stuff. Now, t- tell me about Fightful, uh, this great site that we're on here. Uh, how did uh, this all come together with you uh, working for them, doing the podcast and everything? It's uh, it's It's been nice to see you sort of do something, uh, you know, regular, because, again, it sort of brings a lot of people back to the UFC Central days of, you know, you talking fights on there. Yeah, so it's an interesting way how it all came about. Uh, for some reason, uh, I guess the, the whole mixed martial arts world and, and the UFC itself um, – the sport, the industry will always some way be attached to me, like for, for my own career. Um, I, I just found it odd. Um, and it, it makes you question yourself that when I, when, when the sports night gig came to an end, wasn't going to TSN, lost a boatload of money because I was under the assumption that maybe there's a 1% chance, James, that I'm going to go to TSN, uh, and whatever money I'm living off of, uh, in my bank account that was, uh, let's be honest. I was getting paid good money at Sportsnet, saved up boatloads. I'm not, I'm not frugal. I'm not cheap, but I'm not going to spend money on stuff that 
I don't want unless I really want it. So um, all that money I had in my account just started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Like, why am I not getting a call from TSN or why is Fox not, you know, agreeing to certain things and blah, blah, blah. And then I had to make a move. And, and I also started reaching out to the other, you know, MMA websites and just found it weird. Nobody would return my emails. Nobody would return my calls and nobody like, it was just like, there were some people that were celebrating the fact that Showdown Joe is no longer doing anything. I can capitalize on this. I can do that and blah, blah, blah. And, and then you really start seeing people's true colors. And I thought to myself, listen, if that's how it's going to be, I got to figure something out. Uh, I went out and got my mortgage license because I love uh, helping people with their money, making good financial decisions, decisions short term, uh, especially long term, so that they when, when they retire, they've got a really nice nest egg. Uh, my team video was an idea that I came up with uh, with a couple of people, started working at that. And and the next thing you know, I got this email uh, from this guy I didn't know, Jimmy Van. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Van, right? And said, listen, I'm coming out with this website called Fightful uh, or Fightful Online or this and that. And I said, I don't know, man. And then he calls. He goes, let me just talk to you. So I gave him my number. And I'm like, okay, let's put this. We're just talking. And I could just tell that this guy was, okay, not just Canadian. But genuine. He was just genuine and he said, Look, here's what I can offer you. Here's what I could do for you. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, thinking about this guy, Sean Rossap. Do you know who he is? I said, I, I, I know the name, but I can't put a face to it. And send me the links. And this is nice. He's like, Think about it. Let me know. We really want to bring you on. <clears throat> um, and then I said, Okay, well, you know, I talked to the wife and I'm like, Look, I've got this offer. Right, uh, it's obviously not as much as what Sportsnet was paying. I mean, that's we're talking mainstream television. Uh, there's no way anyone could ever expect Jimmy Van to, to pay me that kind of money. But it was money. It was just like you know what? Yeah, I could I could do it from home. I could do the podcast from home. I could write the articles from home. I don't have to go to an office. And uh, I said, you know what? Before I say yes to this, I want to meet Jimmy. Yeah, I want to make sure he's real. Because uh, if you know anything about the MMA industry, ladies and gentlemen, there are there are snakes. There yes, are flags, there is. <laughs> uh, and the beauty of, of what I do, because I'm a huge proponent uh, and I study a lot of human psychology and body language and uh, and the way the mind works in sales environments and stressful environments. I said, I got to meet this Jimmy guy. Uh, and when I went to the office, uh, which is uh, Young and Eglinton, for those that don't know, that's Midtown Toronto, I, I was expecting to meet this guy in a suit and tie. And I go and meet Jimmy and Jimmy's got a hat on, baseball cap sweater Edmonton Oilers I'm like the heck is this guy you're, you're Jimmy Van you're this eccentric millionaire Sean Ross Sapp talks about and we just had this conversation we were supposed to go out for lunch we stayed in the boardroom for an hour an hour and a half I had to leave we didn't even go out for lunch and I said you know what I'm in I'm in you're a good dude and he sent me the contract we reviewed it uh changed what we had to change and that was it been with Fightful ever since Love it. Um, now, my team video, you talked briefly about it, but I think this is kind of a cool concept. Uh, just, you know, sort of tell people what's going on. And, and also, uh, you have some news uh, that you were sharing yesterday. We have to get into that as well. But first, uh, sort of how did my team video come about and what is it for people who are interested? Um, so right now, I want to be very careful with what I say. So Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no. So in essence, if you're watching this right now, ladies and gentlemen, and you're not in the greater Toronto area, York, Durham, and Peel, <laughs> Contact me, no problem, but it's, it's going to have to be – what I'm trying to do, uh, it's from an old House of Pain album, uh, clean up your own backyard before you go knocking on your neighbor's door. I want to make sure my team video um, is, is successful in our area, James, in, in the greater mm -hmm. Toronto region with all the different hockey and baseball, football, soccer, uh, and lacrosse associations. So what it basically is, um, is, is it's, a, it's 
it's a very simple concept. I'll ask you this. Did you play sports when you were a kid? Of course. You get a team picture done when you were a kid? I do. And it's, I probably can't find it now because uh, that, that's the problem with photos is you throw them out. Okay. So the concept that I had is, is obviously with television being my background, a dad, I'm dad now. I coach my son's teams. I saw the picture of my son, uh, of the team picture, uh, go up. So actually I have mine here of, of the, of this year. I don't know if you guys can see that. Okay. Yep. So I'm keeping this picture, but it's this summer. It's 2017. What's going to happen next year? What am I doing with that picture? I'm not going to go up on the wall. So what ended up happening is everybody that's ever played sports that got a team, I should say everybody, the vast majority of people that have ever got a team picture done, eventually that picture is gone. It gets either put in a scrapbook, grandma gets it. or You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It gets thrown in the garbage. And I think that's terrible because you, as a player and as a coach, spent eight to nine months with these other human beings and probably had wonderful memories. The problem with pictures is I can look at that picture, and I really don't think I remember every single player's name. My son's going to look at that 5, 10, 15 years from now and be like, I don't remember who that is. I, yeah. I, even if they played with them for three or four more years, I said, there's got to be a way to do this. And I said, you know what? Why not make that team picture talk? So what I do is I go to these to basically eight years old, nine years old, and up, uh, up to about 21 years old, and I get in front of them, and basically all they have to do is they have to introduce themselves on camera. Hi, my name is Joe Farrar, number 13, left wing. Hi, my name is James Lynch, number 17, right wing. And whatever it is, so I record all the intros, and in the video itself, the bottom will come the association logo, the player's name, their number. It looks professional. It looks like something you would see on TSN, Sportsnet, ESPN. And then it's followed by a highlight video of them in action. So I record the intros. Then I go into the stands or on the side of the field, and I record the whole game. And from that, I take notes. James Lynch, number 17, scored seven minutes in. Well, that's going to be James's highlight. Joe Ferraro uh, you know, made a great pass on, on a power play seven minutes into the second period. That's the highlight. So I package that all together. Uh, it's about a four-and-a-half to five-minute video, and it's basically it lives forever on myteamvideo.com. So in the future, you can do one of two things. You can go on the website, type in James Lynch, hit enter. Every single team you ever played on or were a part of, the video will be there. It no longer will be that picture that gets thrown away. And now you can see yourself and all your players in action. Right. Not just yeah, the picture. It's a picture that comes to life, like, yeah. 
Yeah, so I tell people all the time, I give people a bunch of examples. As a Canadian, we all know when Sidney Crosby scored that golden goal and that iconic picture of, of him with his hands down by his side before the, before the teammates all just jumped on him. Then I played, I, I did it on the social media side, on, on my Instagram. I said, everyone knows this picture. Now remember the call and Chris Cuthbert with the unbelievable call. And I see people yeah. with goosebumps. I said, that's the difference between video and a picture. A picture will make you think, oh, yeah, I remember that, blah, blah. A video makes you relive it. The other terrible example, the other two really bad examples that I give, and high conspiracy theorists, you're coming out in three, <laughs> two, one. You look at the World Trade Center. Uh, before the World Trade Center planes crashed there, you can look at the pictures of the World Trade Center collapsing, and you can get that a, a snapshot, or you can watch the video online and see the planes crashing, and that you can remember exactly where you were at that time. You relive that memory. And for anyone that's had anyone ever pass away in their life, you see, you, 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 you remember them by the pictures that you see and blah, blah. Play a video of them. They're alive. Yeah. They're alive. They're immortal. Video to me is the most important driver. And with amateur sports, I think it's so important just for that five-minute video to take a look and say, you know what? I remember Johnny. I remember James. What is James Lynch doing right now? And they do a quick search on James Lynch, see you on Facebook. Holy smokes, he's in the MMA industry. I played hockey with him for four years. James, what's going on, man? Oh, how you been? Oh, how you kids? Blah, blah, blah. A great way to connect. So that's my goal with my team video. The only problem I'm having is there's a disconnect with some of the sports coaches, managers, association so trying to get it out there but slowly but surely it, it's going to take off what have been some challenges as an entrepreneur because again now this is sort of new for you i'd imagine just because again uh, your, your background has you know been in television and you know been as an analyst so this is uh, you know a little bit different obviously challenge when you're an entrepreneur um you know who gary v is you ever heard of gary v of course uh yeah the, so, uh, he was on rogan's I, I i i follow him and stuff he's i got all the motivational stuff it's great yeah Gary v, uh, my goal one day i made this goal up a couple of days ago i said one day i'm going to be on his radar and i'll tell you why um people are like oh you should talk to gary v you should you know talk to you you, you got connections you can see tony robbins and blah blah i said no i know what they're going to tell me i already know what they're going to tell me i spent the past two or three years watching as many motivational videos when it comes to sales and uh and procurement and stuff like that i know what they're going to tell me i said i want to be on their level one day and i'm going to be on their level one day it's just going to take time you got to have patience so the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur or there's a lot of hard things about being an entrepreneur um so i sit there and i have conversations with people all the time i look them dead in the eye i'm like and but i don't say anything but I'm like, God, it's so nice getting that paycheck every two weeks, right? Every two weeks, you're guaranteed that money. Well, you know, this guy here has got to hustle and hustle just to make 100 bucks, just to make 500 bucks. I've got to hustle and hustle and hustle. Why? Because my game plan is 10, 15 years down the road right now when the company's blown up and it's doing fantastic and you get cut from your job, you're going to come looking at me looking for a job. So it's that one thing, it's that motivational factor. And I can tell you every single day of my life for the past year, year and a half, I've wanted to quit. I said, that's right. it. I'm done. There's just, there's that money is not coming in. And I'm like, no, you keep going. You'll figure it out. A breakthrough is coming. And every day I wake up wanting to quit. I have lunch. I want to quit. I go to bed wanting to quit. I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, wake up in the morning. I want to quit, but I don't quit. I won't quit because I know no one in the world is doing this. And because of my experience with hockey associations, soccer associations, all these sports associations, ain't nobody. No one's going to put in the work that I've done to try and get this to be successful. So if I can get it to work, it's going to pay off financially. And my kid, 
my son will be able to do whatever he wants in the future uh, and pick whatever jet ski he wants and blah, blah, blah. So I do it for him. Uh, all I need to do, bro, is just if I can get some food in the, in, the, in the fridge, I'm good. For him, education, school, whatever he wants. So uh, the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, and you're dealing with a lot of people, James, that just – it's all about them. They don't care. They don't realize what you're going through. And, and you know, you're, oh, I can do this for you, Joe. I know this person. and I know that person. And blah, blah, blah. I can introduce you. Cool. Hook it up, bro. Let's do it. Dead end. Radio yeah. silence. All right. Cool. Yeah, anyone who follows you on Instagram, uh, you're a great dad. I always love how you post. Uh, I'm, I'm a recently became a father, and it's cool to see how you always, you know, post photos with your son and stuff. You're very involved in his life, and uh, you know, it's cool to get those updates. And one of the other things I know you posted, uh, re- I want to say a couple months ago. I know sometimes you have to do cold calling, and sometimes you get people really rude to you, but you just sort of <laughs> have to take it. Um, how has that been? Because I mean, I've done cold calling even when I worked, at, you know, in the fitness industry. It's tough, man. It's not an easy gig. Yeah, so cold. I did cold calling for a while, uh, and I really a friend of mine, Chris Humphreys, my oldest friend since we were teenagers, owns an advertising agency called Mark Advertising up in Newmarket, um, and he's just like, because you'd be so good at this. He goes, just come in. Because my worst fear was not just, I guess it was rejection, but was to pick up the phone, call a complete stranger, and you've got not a lot amount of time to sell them your product or get awareness of the product. And I just, it was a fear that I had and it got me over that fear. So uh, I don't do cold calls anymore for, for my team video at all. And, and I can explain to that at another time or a little bit later on. Uh, but I was doing cold calls for my team video. And I said, there's, there's, there's gotta be some way to figure out these managers and these coaches, because I'm sitting on a product that everybody loves, all the players love, all the parents love, all the coaches love, all the associations love, but no one's buying. Why? Why is there no awareness? I got, got to figure this out. So I just pick up the phone and every so often, and I've, I, I would say 95% of those conversations, conversations, James, are fantastic. But you get the odd person that is just in a bad mood, bad mood, and they just rip me a new one. And I was like, all right, cool, because that's not indicative of me. That's indicative of your personality. I just called you to say, hi, this is who I am. I know you're the manager of this team here. This is what I'm doing with some other teams in your association. Was wondering if I could send you an email or if you'd like to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. And they just go off the rails. And not that you can hear the smirk in my voice, but I'm like, all right, blah, blah. And then people are like, do they know they just ripped apart Showdown Joe? And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. Who cares, right? It is what it is, so. Yeah, you just got to sort of, you know, move on from it and have a good laugh at it and just uh, on to the next one, which is, uh, you know, what, what you can pretty much do at this point. Um, so, you know, you, we talked about all the things you're involved in right now. What does your day-to-day sort of look like, your schedule? I'm sure it changes a lot because, again, you might be going out to a rink to do the My Team Video stuff. You might be back here in, in the office where you're, you are now doing a podcast with Sean. So what sort of, uh, you know, what, what does the, the, the week-by-week sort of look like for you? Uh, I, I mean, the my iCalendar is on the top right of my screen right now, and it's always on the phone here. I, what I try and do is I'm always planning mm-hmm. my next day or planning my next week, and I use the calendar religiously because without it, I would screw things up. If I didn't put down uh, that you and I were doing this podcast at 2 yes. p.m. today, yeah, I, I would have been out somewhere trying to trying to do something for mortgages, my team video, or trying to get some sort of MMA interview, blah, blah. So I use the calendar. So my day-to-day is basically always the same. Uh, usually before I go to bed or in the evening, I take a look at the next day, and I'm like, okay, or the next two days, okay, what do I have coming up? Okay, now what can I slot? So every day I've got to do something for Fightful MMA, whether it's an article, 
um, an interview or a podcast. Somewhere in there, I've got to do something. Uh, every day, there's a mortgage inquiry. I've got to take a look at what my clients are doing, uh, where we are with the lenders, where we are in terms of the paperwork uh, for my clients, what stage are we at with the mortgage before it funds. Before it funds. Uh, once I get those two taken care of, then I've got my team video. I'm taking a look at what's next for my team video. What association can I contact? Which coach am I recording a video for? Which team? Where am I going? What's happening? So those are the three things every single day that I'm working on. In the evenings, I've got to, I've got to add in coaching uh, and swimming. So I coach soccer uh, three days a week or three evenings a week, and my son has swimming one day a week. And then, of course, you've got to be a husband, man. you got to make sure the wife is happy. Does she want she knows I ain't going to the mall for the next six weeks. <laughs> she's going to go black. She's going Black Friday shopping tomorrow. She already went today, and she's going tomorrow. I said, I don't go to the mall when it's dead. You want me to go when it's Black Friday? Ain't going to happen. So, uh, but what, I got to make her happy. Movies, dinner, uh, go visit relatives. Are we having people over on Saturday? Uh, are we going out to visit people on Saturday? So, try and be as much of a family man as soon as five o'clock, six o'clock rolls around. Uh, be a dad. Be a family man. Uh, do whatever you got to do. When they go to bed. James, okay, what's going on? What am I doing tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. I'm back to work. So uh, it's one of those things. I can't sit still. Uh, I, I mean, I try and record stuff on the PVR for you Americans, the DVR, but the PVR, <laughs> James, and I've got stuff backed up, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. I just, you know, I'd rather throw up YouTube and whatever's in the brain, I want to watch that. So, yeah, no, it's a busy guy. I, I have a similar schedule, you know, just always sort of thinking ahead because, uh, you know, when you, you got this time, you, you got to sort of take advantage of it. Um, looking back, I mean, there's still so much more to come in your career, I'm sure. And then there's so much you've accomplished so far. What would you say, in your opinion, has been sort of the best moment for you in your career, whether it's interviewing someone, going to cover an event? What would sort of been the one that sort of stands out to you? Uh, the day that David O'Connor slid that contract across the table at Sportsnet and I, and I signed on to do it full time. Okay. That's that was number one because I worked so hard to to change my life to do mixed martial arts full time and to get paid to do what you love full time. Uh, that you know, and then UFC seventy nine, um, just like almost breaking down in tears to say I'm here. I made it. I did it. Took seventy nine UFC events, but I made it. Uh, and then uh, Mark Hominick's walkout at UFC one twenty nine. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm coming home, uh, and I remember sitting there because we did a, a live show for UFC 129, um, a preview show. Then we were live during the uh, prelims, and then they escorted me to my seat, uh, Kate or Octagon side, which was a long walk from where we were. Uh, and I got there, and I, I got there just before Machida landed the kick on Randy Couture. Uh, and then there were two fights left, and then I, I just sat there. And when Mark called and I just looked over to my left. I knew where he was coming from. I looked up at the screen and the whole, the whole music and the song of, of I'm coming home hit me. And it was like years and decades of trying to get the sport sanctioned and regulated in Ontario. And look at us now. The biggest UFC event of all time, 55,000 people um, at the Rogers Center. And there's Mark Kalmanick, one of my first showdown fight where – sponsored fighters in behind him Sean Tompkins the first him and uh, I think it was uh, Loazo and those guys were the first showdown sponsored fighters ever ever and here they are walking to the cage and I remember just like just shaking and I took my my thing and I put it over my face I started crying and I was just like this is it man 
this is this is what you've been waiting for. This is when it all came to be. Uh, and I don't know. I think it was uh, it may have been Bobby that put his arm around me and was like, "Dude, it's all good, man. It's all good." And then that performance that Mark had. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I remember. I'll never forget. I'm not going to name names, but I'll never forget the douchebag media members that were in front of us that were just ripping apart Mark Kominick before he went out there saying he's going to get killed by Aldo. Uh, and I'm like, you sons of bitches interviewed Mark. And I know you're going to interview him afterwards. You're talking so much shit about my very good friend. And then he pulls off that performance and this anger came across me. And I'm just looking at them and how they were like, what an amazing performance. Mark Kominick's the man. And I'm like 25 minutes. So ago, transparent. <laughs> just douchebags and i said all right cool whatever and i never told mark oh god i guess mark knows the story now uh but i've never told mark that and i was just like it just got it really goes to show you people's true nature and how you know many of us canadians are are transparent we are who we are this is we're we're nice in general and we'll be the first people to kind of turn our backs like yeah you got a problem dude whatever man i mean my road rate just gone down to zero i don't want to cut me (laughs) off that's nothing yeah you're my life for 30 seconds later so yeah uh, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned, you know, the first event was UFC 79. And, um, you know, obviously the media coverage has been a lot different uh, compared to way back then to now. Um, just, you know, thinking back to that event and then thinking that, you know, UFC 210, where you and I were both there uh, covering the, the Buffalo card. How much has it differed in your opinion? What, what, do you, what have you sort of noticed as far as the media coverage? Um, hmm, wow. That's a great question. I, 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 That's all I asked you. Great say. questions, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say because back in the day, it was completely different. Um, because of the access that I had, uh, like. <laughs> I was blessed, man. I would have Dana White text me. I would have the UFC text me. Dana White called me one time after a really bad incident um, um, between him and I. Uh, he doesn't apologize. I'll tell you, him, he'll never apologize. He'll just state his case. And no matter how many F-bombs we threw at each other, we worked it out. But those were the, there were times when it's like we would get there and uh, Dave Schaller was like, dude, you need Dana? Yeah. Do you need uh, George? Yeah. Do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever you got. I mean, or then, and they would already package our schedule saying on this day here, you're getting this fighter, this fighter, and this fighter. And two months from now, three months from now, these fighters are fighting. You got them at this time, this time, and this time. So that coverage was beautiful at the time. And then things completely changed after that. I know after a while, after I'd left, I think shortly thereafter, uh, I got the word that, hey, man, do you know that Dana White doesn't do scrums anymore? Yeah, I'm like, oh wow, what happened? Ah, Dana got pissed off about this and blah blah. I said, oh, sorry to hear that, man. But I know the things have changed. Uh, that Buffalo event that I covered with you, uh, I just noticed different things were happening with the UFC, obviously with new ownership, uh, different things with the fighters and their managers. Still lots of fun, still great, yeah. but just a different vibe altogether. Uh, I, I don't know how to, what word to describe it. Uh, it was it was a lot more fun before. Uh, yeah. I had fun there. I mean, I, obviously with Anthony Johnson being so nice to me and, and DC doing what DC does and Cote was there and Tiago Alves was there. So, you know, you got to see the old friends and old faces. Um, but it, it's changed a bit uh, per se. I, I would love to go back to cover more UFC events. Uh, not sure I'd appreciate the travel, uh, but it is what it is. But I can tell you that I think that it's changed per se. Uh, I don't think it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it was much better before. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, not, I'm still the same guy as before, James, where, you know, long before people had suits and ties, I was there uh, in a suit and tie. And it wasn't because it was mandated by Sportsnet. It's because I want to look good. I want to represent the company yep. that I work for. And above all, I want to represent myself in a suit and tie 
looking good. I don't want to show up there with shorts and flip-flops and look like I haven't uh, showered in four days and baseball cap and you know, you, you, the shirt that you're wearing hasn't been washed in quite some time. Uh, that was never me. And then, you know, when I still see that nowadays, I'm like, these are the guys that are covering our sport, man. It's, it's just, and then some of the content that comes out and I just like, that's not how I, I want the sport to be represented. I always wanted it to be a professional sport. I mean, you saw UFC central, it was always done in a professional manner. Uh, I would be very, my opinion was rare. I would always say, here's what Dana said. Here's what the fighter said. This is the these are the facts. You make a decision. If it's up to me, I'm thinking this is what happened. So blah blah. I always wanted the sport because it's considered barbaric to be as clean uh, or, or or portrayed in, in as nice a fashion as possible. And that's why I would dress the way I would dress, and you know, shave my head, shave, and blah blah, blah and, and do what I had to do. So I wish that would change, but you know, it is what it is, man. What are you gonna do? Well, you and I have that in common. I'm the same way. When I go to events, I'm wearing the suit. Uh, to me, it's like, you know, you want to be a professional. Um, and I noticed that same thing. And, and one thing I was, you know, was going to get to as well was just that I imagine when you first started covering it back then, the, there weren't as many video people. I mean, you have the local news or whoever's there covering it, but now there's so much focus on video now. Whereas back then, I imagine it was a lot of, you know, the, the, the sites that are just doing purely written stuff. You look at all the big sites now, they're all doing video because they have to, right? So I imagine that was a bit different. But also, let me, let me just say one more thing is, uh, I also noticed too that I I think back then uh, it was more of a there wasn't so much emphasis on the entertainment side of things it was more treated as like a sport I would say and now you're seeing reporters and I see it all the time Joe and I'm sure you do as well where there are reporters trying to push a narrative and you never saw that back then because it was more about the sport as opposed to the entertainment side of things what are your thoughts on that 100% yeah I mean <clears throat> there was never that that WWE mentality here we are in Fightful which is huge on WWE uh, yeah. there was never <laughs> yeah. that, as you say all that yeah I would never so <clears throat> there's the, the the pushing of that narrative uh that has gotten people in trouble and and, and almost like blast blacklisted by some uh managers and fighters you can push that narrative but you can do it in a manner uh, the way I used to do it was I would politely ask the question I wouldn't say hey you know what you hear what he said about you he said this this and that what do you got to say about that there's different ways of wording that. You can simply say, look, I had a chance to speak with. Uh, I'm not sure if you had a, a moment to take a look at what he had stated. I know it's online. Uh, if possible, I'd like to get your comment when you know he did say this. Does that bother you? Leave it in their hands. And you would get a good answer. And you get an answer that might just spark something or whatever. So there's different ways of doing it. Uh, I was never that guy that was going to or I tried not to be that guy that was going to rock the boat. I always thought it was more prevalent that this is a sport. These are professional athletes. They train harder. I mean, maybe decathlon athletes train harder or triathletes. I get it. But in mixed martial arts, because you've got to do so much of the aerobic and anaerobic and the explosive training, I think they're just the, and you're, you're protecting your life. You know, you've got to knock somebody out that's Jock you out or submit you. So I always looked at every single athlete uh, in mixed martial arts as a professional athlete. I wanted them to be treated that manner. And I also wanted them to get bigger. I wanted them to make more money. I had so many difficult conversations with so many fighters explaining to them, look, man, I'm calling you because I've got a mainstream television show. I want to get awareness around your brand. You need to understand. I know you're 25. I know you're 32. I know you have no idea what it's like at this age when you get to my age and you realize that as a professional athlete, the time to maximize the revenue from your brand is tiny. You're born here. 
You die here if you're 80 years old. You're a professional athlete for this amount of time. You need to make as much money as possible during that time frame. And to do that, you got to make some noise. And the performance in the cage or the ring is one thing. You got to win. But people don't remember you for that. They remember for what you say in the post-fight interview uh, and what you do online and what you do when you do these interviews and blah, 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 blah. Believe me, when you retire, you're going to regret not doing all those interviews and doing those things. And I can't even tell you how many fighters contacted me after they were cut by the UFC asking if, if you know if, if UFC Central needed an analyst or needed that or needed this. I'm like, dude, I called you how many times before yep. your fights and you shot me down? Nobody knows who you are. You had the opportunity to make as much money. So uh, I actually wrote a, an article today that I hope will be up on, on, on Fightful MMA shortly, just talking about you know the art of the bullseye in MMA. Colby uh, Covington figured it out. Chael Sonnen figured it out. Uh, obviously, Darren Till and Mike Perry kind of figured it out. Conor McGregor figured it out. You know, and It's not necessarily what they do in the cage. It's what they say and do outside of it. That's what makes noise. That's what good old Jim Ross told uh, Chael Sonnen and I. It's what, it's what puts cheese on your Whopper. Right. So and that's what I and that again, portraying them, these fighters, James, as professional athletes. But in that time that I'm portraying you, tell me what's on your mind, man. Don't be afraid to rock the boat. You, you're going to fight. What's the difference? Let's fight. But do it in a classy way, if possible. And Colby Covington's crazy, but it is what it is. What's the most common question you get from people, you know, looking to get into the industry or in the industry? I'm sure you get a lot of people hitting you up, you know, talking, you know, asking, you know, hey, what can I do, you know, to get in the industry, things like that? What, what's sort of one of the some of the common questions you get? <laughs> Am I hiring uh, for Showdown Entertainment? <laughs> That's the first thing that I always get asked. Or what does it take to become you? Uh, and I tell them just the same thing all the time. You get a website. Open up a website, start writing your blog, uh, try and get some video interviews done. Pay attention to who's in and around your area, uh, a martial arts fighter or anyone big that is doing um, a seminar uh, or an appearance. Try and get out there. Try and get two minutes, three minutes. You don't need a 15-minute sit-down uh, with anyone. You need a two-minute interview. Work on your style. Work on your uh, what you're filming. Work on your writing style. Know what you want to talk about and just keep generating content. Keep building content. Eventually, uh, with the experience, you're going to get picked up uh, if you do it in a manner that is that is going to be consumed properly. There's people out there, James, in my opinion, I would never say it to them. Uh, I kind of help them and coach them and stuff like that. They're just never going to have a shot. They're just, they don't realize that, you know, you don't, be, you don't belong in front of the camera. Sorry. Yeah. It's, just, it's just not going to happen, but you could write very well. Stick to writing. Uh, unless you change certain things, it, it, it's not going to be uh, conducive to being on camera. There's guys right now in the MMA industry that are on camera that I believe are I guess horrendous is a bad word, but I'm like, wow, like you'll never make it on television. That's for sure. But how are you getting numbers? How are, oh, because you're affiliated with this site or that site there. Yep, okay, I, know exactly I got what it. You, mean. you got yeah. no business being on camera. You've got no broadcast experience and you've got no class about you. And, ugh, but Hey man, it is what it is, right? Yeah, I find there's a bit, you know, I, I'm not going to say this for a lot of a lot of media members, but I mean, I find there is a little bit of arrogance sometimes with some writers where they just automatically think they can be good on camera. Because Joe, you and I have television backgrounds. You know that it takes a lot more than just, you know, stepping on camera. There's a way you have to sort of work it. You have to, you know, enunciate. There's lots of things that you're just not taught. And these guys go on there. They have all the knowledge, but it's how you're projecting that that I think uh, is, uh, you know, sometimes missed. But uh, we, we don't have to go too much into that. Um, well, but, before before you go, yeah, I just want to yeah, say, or before you go to yeah. the next thing, just ask Tito Ortiz because Tito yeah. Ortiz was. Probably 
brought in to host my show while I was on vacation in Italy, um, uh, oh God, four or five years ago. So we went to Big Bear. We did a whole bunch of things with him. We recorded a bunch of fight schools. Uh, freaking Tito tried to get me to spar with Cyborg. Like, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So we ended up figuring, listen, why don't we call Tito, fly Tito in, and pay him to host um, UFC Central. Tito's like, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. He came and did it. That guy could not read a prompter if his life depended on it. Uh, and then he texted me afterwards. Uh, he's like, how the hell do you do this job? I couldn't read that prompter. I couldn't get the timing right. I'm like, it's not easy, man. Reading a prompter is an art in and of itself. I was terrible at the beginning. Uh, and then I figured out what needed to be done. Uh, and, you know, you've got 30 seconds to a minute to talk about this. But uh, anyone that, and, and you know Jimmy Cotton? I don't know. Jimmy Cotton from Sportsnet, uh, associate producer. He's like, oh, show it up. I can do your job with my eyes closed, blah, blah. I said, dude, you're a great video guy. You're a great associate producer. Don't ever think you can do my job in front of the camera. Oh, I'll bet you this. I'm like, I'm not taking your money, but come on. So we, we had a little joke, and boom, we let him do a segment just for fun to record it. And he just, he, he, deer in the headlights, he's like, I would never do this again. I said, yeah. it's not an easy gig. Yeah. You have to love it. You have to understand how to get it out to, like you said, enunciate and project and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an art in and of itself. And you brought up a key point there. And, you know, uh, one of the big reasons I love doing this podcast is because I want to give other people, you know, good advice and people who have been in the industry and kind of, you know, can pick up on some things because there really isn't anywhere where people sort of talk like this. So that's one of the reasons I love doing this show. But you talked about it there. You know, find your strengths. Find the things you're good at. Art, I mean, I realized early on I'm not a great writer. I mean, I do writing, but it's not sort of my bread and butter. My bread and butter is the, you know, doing the on-camera stuff. I like doing it. It's, it's fun for me. I'm always trying to learn. I'm passionate about it. Writing, if I wanted to be like a Chuck Mendenhall or Dwayne Finley or something like that, I'd be spending years trying to do that. And I, I knew that early on. So I think it's very important to figure out your strengths and play to those sometimes. And Gary V talks about this too, you know, really pay, playing to your strengths, you know, bo bottom down in your strengths. Don't worry about the, the small details, you know, leave that to something, to someone else. So um, it, it's very important to kind of recognize that I think early on. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a ter I think I'm a terrible writer, but they keep asking me to post articles. All right. Uh, I don't even think I'm that, that good at television. They keep asking me to be on TV. I don't think I'm even good at play-by-play, -play and I keep getting you know, job offers. I'm like, all right. It's not that um, – you know what it is? I think I hate, I hate hearing myself, and I hate seeing myself. Yeah, because I'm my, I'm, my, I'm the my number one critic. I'm like, nah, you can do that better, or you can do that better. I had to put together uh, yesterday. I spent a good hour and a half putting together um, a demo reel for for an organization oh, that was interested in in putting me um, to doing play by play. Uh, so I put together the demo reel, and I'm like, I remember I called this fight, called that fight. Oh, I did Crow Cop, did this, did that. We won the Grand Prix, blah blah blah. blah. I start putting it together, and I'm like, I'm not that bad. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I would listen to some other stuff. I'm like. You're an idiot, Joe. Like, no, you're terrible. And then I watch another one, James, and I'm like, ah, that was a good call, Joe. Good stuff. And then I'm like, next one, I'm like, oh, God, what am I thinking? <laughs> so, yeah. We got, a, we got about uh, three minutes left here. I wanted to end on some Canadian things here because, of course, uh, it's not that often I get a Canadian on the show. Um, as far as Canadian MMA goes right now in the UFC, who's sort of someone that you think can really take off uh, as far as, you know, because, you know, back when you were, uh, you know, having the show and everything, I mean, the Canadian MMA uh, scene in the UFC anyways was huge. You had all types of, you know, Sam Stout, uh, you had Mark Hominick, you had all these guys. And, and now there are still, you know, a good amount of Canadians, but, uh, you know, who's sort of someone that you've been sort of keeping your eye on and can really do big things in your opinion that was the beauty of the tv show right we, i was able to get a hold of every single canadian fighter and say that we're sitting down 
I'll come out and see you. We'll sit down and we'll profile them. That's why though that generation of Canadian fighters was so popular because they had mainstream television and a mainstream outlet like Sportsnet promoting them. They don't have that right now. Uh, I, I don't care what anyone says. They don't. Let's just be honest for a second. They do not. Uh, the, the, I mean, of all the fighters on the Canadian roster right now, this, they're, they're, they're all damn good because they're in the UFC. Uh, but I think Elias Theodoro has the number one, um, I guess the number one bullet to, to really succeed for a variety of reasons. He's got the look. He's got the persona. Um, ladies love him. Men want to be him. Uh, if that, for some reason, if he can just start finishing people, uh, it's just getting harder for him because he's fighting better guys as he goes on. So uh, it's getting harder for him. But in my opinion, Elias Theodoro has the opportunity uh, to be the biggest star uh, in Canadian MMA today, minus George St. Pierre, because George is George. And I, mean, I still can't believe George is the middleweight champion of the world. It's just, I know, I know. It's I, not, it's so, not rolling properly, right? No, but Elias, I, in my opinion, is, is, the, is that one guy. No, great, great choice there. And Elias is, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this on the show. Elias is someone who's really established a good brand for himself as well, too. You know, you see him getting involved in things like the Amazing Race Canada, you know, he's sponsored by Pert Plus. Like, that stuff's important, especially if you want to get these fights, because if the more visible you are, the more likely you're going to get booked for fights. So I, I think that's very important. Uh, we got a minute left, and, and I want to talk some hockey quickly. Uh, the Leafs, your thoughts on them this season? Um, kind of been up and down, but I think in general, uh, they've been pretty good. What, what are your thoughts? Um... In terms of some of their play recently, like, I mean, that game last night was a challenge to, to watch versus Florida. Yeah. Uh, they own that third period, which is fine. But I think that, the, I mean, you asked me earlier on, you know, who are people that I look up to and blah, blah, not just in broadcasting, but Mike Babcock, the Maple Leafs coach, yeah. is somebody that I truly, truly have a ton of appreciation for because he's just a flat out no BS guy. He takes no, he pulls no punches. It's his team uh, and the players know that. And if you don't think you're going to be a Mike Babcock player, Uncle Lou Lamorello is going to ship you out because on, uh, on top of Uncle Lou Lamorello uh, is, is Brennan Shanahan. This is the Shanna plan. So uh, I've got full confidence in this team here. And, oh, God, James, I've had so many friends. Oh, yeah, you, 20, 30, 40 years of Maple Leafs suck. I'm like, you don't know jack shit about hockey if you don't understand what's happening right now with the Maple Leafs and then the core that they have right now. So I think there's still a few things that need to be learned with each team uh, or with each player, especially defensively, because if you can't play defense for Mike Babcock, you're sitting on the bench, son. Uh, so Mitch Marner had to learn that lesson. Uh, and he's now playing on that. You know, he's playing with Austin Matthews last night. So uh, in time, they'll be fine. Uh, I have my ups and downs with the with Frederick Anderson, the goaltender. But yeah. uh, I think Morgan Riley just doesn't get enough credit that he deserves, man. This guy's a number one defenseman, man. He's fantastic. Uh, Jake Gardner's starting to come around now, although he keeps tripping over, like, I guess, slits on the ice. But he's fine. He'll be he'll be fine. Uh, Kadri got a nice goal the other night, so... Yeah, or last night. So, uh, loving my Leafs, man. Loving my Leafs. Give them time. I'm not in a rush for them to win the Stanley Cup. I know it's been 40 years or so. Uh, they'll be fine. Yeah, and I think the thing I love about the Leafs is they're just so exciting to watch now. I remember there was, you know, you remember after the lockout when they had those teams when, like, you know, Eric Lindros was on the team. They had Jason Allison. Like, they've gone through some rough years, and now, you know, we're finally seeing some exciting hockey and, and a lot of potential, which you couldn't have said, you know, years ago, even when Brian Burke was in charge and, and things like that. So now, uh, you know, there's a clear path there uh, with Mike Babcock. And uh, speaking of exciting things, this is exciting to talk to you, Joe. It's uh, it's always good to catch up uh, and, you know, sort of talk shop. Um, just uh, remind people where they can find you. I mean, people watching this on Fightful know how to get a hold of you, but you might as well plug it anyways. Plug all that social media. And anything you got coming up on Fightful this week, by all means, the floor is yours, sir. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, social media-wise, it's all the same. It's at Showdown Joe. Uh, if you're in the business world and you're on LinkedIn, just look up Joe Ferraro. But at Showdown Joe for Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Uh, for Fightful in general, uh, already put together my UFC Shanghai fun bets. A little difficult, obviously. There's not much depth, per se, excuse me, on that card. So uh, that video has been done. Uh, I penned that piece uh, earlier today about the art of the bullseye in MMA. I think I'll do one more article uh, tomorrow uh, while the wife's uh, Black Friday shopping. And I got the little guy here who's got a PA day. So that'll be fun. Uh, we'll get that going. Uh, and of course, man, if, if you're in the greater Toronto region, uh, look up at my team video or myteamvideo.com. I'd love to come out and take a look at your team and uh, and record something uh, for your team or your association. Uh, and if you need a mortgage, commercial or residential in the greater Toronto region or Ontario, you can look me up as well. No problem. But uh, yeah, mixed martial arts and UFC uh, is, is always going to be uh, in my blood. Uh, God love Jimmy Van, yourself, and uh, Sean Rossap, and everybody at Fightful. We have such an amazing team, uh, an amazing crossover site. It's 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 a lot of fun uh, to be on the site, and you know I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely love it. So Titan FC next month, uh, though there may be an announcement coming shortly for another company uh, that I'll be doing play by play for, and a third, potentially fourth. Uh, perhaps soon enough. Love the sounds of that. Uh, everyone can follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Uh, if you guys uh, like this podcast, definitely give us some feedback. Uh, we're always looking to, you know, improve this and, uh, you know, make it as cool as, as we can for you guys. Uh, you can find all my stuff this week on Fightful. We got ton, I got tons of interviews, uh, for, for the tough eight or, uh, tough 26 finale. And of course, UFC 218, which is coming up next Saturday. So be on the lookout for that stuff. And, uh, thanks everyone for watching. And of course, thanks, Joe, for being here. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.